Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Coast to Coast. Ronan and I got another good one for you guys today as we finally got the Donovan Mitchell trade. Just unfortunately not the one some of y'all wanted. So if you're a Sad Knicks fan, don't forget to subscribe. We have some much-needed therapy for you, not just this episode, but probably much more episodes to come. And if you're an Eastern Conference fan, any team in the Eastern Conference, don't forget to go back. Check out the episodes we did. We did a preview of every single team. They're on YouTube. They're on every podcast you listen to. And if you're a fan of the West, your team's out West, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. We're going to get into the West next week, and we're going to be talking about your team and the competition. And as always, guys, we would love to interact with you. So if you want to connect with us, you can check us out on Twitter at CoastNBA and Instagram and YouTube at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. We'd love to have you subscribe and check us out, talk to you guys, interact. You guys probably think everything we're saying is wrong, so why don't you just let us know? But without further ado, Ronan, please tell the people what happened last night. Another Roach bomb, maybe not the last, but probably the biggest one we've had yet. Yeah, well, it was nice to get a nice uh, Woj bomb on a Thursday evening because we are very much still in the, the doldrums of the offseason. It wasn't Donovan Mitchell traded to the New York Knicks. A little bit disappointing for me, but it was kind of a move out of nowhere, which is always fun to see, and it's why we love the NBA, because Donovan Mitchell is headed to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think anybody saw that coming. That just came straight out of the blue. It was the Knicks, maybe Miami. You heard rumors of Washington, but Cleveland, they were they never appeared to be on the cards. So they're sending Colin Sexton, Laurie Marketing, Oche Agbaji, three first-round picks, all unprotected, and two pick swaps to the Jazz. And Donovan Mitchell is coming on down to Cleveland. Um, first and really foremost, I, really good you, you, you always give me a word of the day every time doldrums. I, I'm going to have to insert <laughs> that in my vocabulary. Um, it's definitely the doldrums, but man, uh, the great point I was talking to, uh, to our friend Tyler last night, and actually he was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and he pointed this out <laughs> that I think it was last week. Someone was talking about where Donovan Mitchell might go. And I had the same thought, but this guy was basically saying how they would be cool if he went to the Cavs, but that would just never happen. That's exactly what I was thinking. And this is the funny part. When we talked about can Sexland work, I think last year, um, I think the comparison I liked, offensively speaking, was think about Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, how that pairing has synergized offensively, how they've unlocked each other. And now you get the actual Donovan Mitchell on the Cavs and I mean, that potential to speak for itself. We'll, we'll get into that. But I, I think the, the first place we should start here is the trade that never was, the trade that didn't happen. The trade that I literally texted to you, what was it, in July when we had just finished recording an episode. I don't think it was on the Knicks, but someone, an inside reporter um, who will not be named, <laughs> basically put out in the on Twitter everywhere saying, yeah, the deal's basically done. They're just working out the details. And everyone assumed for like three weeks that this is just a shit ton of paperwork, I guess. <laughs> like they're Donovan Mitchell's a Nick and then it just went away. So how are we feeling this morning? What what's what's going through your mind? Because I I feel like for a lot of Knicks fans out there, this is just another big miss. If you Google Donovan and Mitchell right now, all of the articles are not 
the Cleveland Cavaliers have their star. Every article is the New York Knicks just whiffed on another star. Is that the perspective we should be having here? I don't know. I mean, in one sense, yes. But in my mind, I'm I'm glad of how it worked out, given what the situation seemed to be. It basically seemed to be if we wanted Donovan Mitchell, we were going to have to give up RJ Barrett and and a lot more on top of that. And at this very moment, I did not want to see the Knicks give up on RJ Barrett to bring Donovan Mitchell to New York. Maybe one or two years down the line, we may look back and just think, what the hell are we thinking? Why didn't we just make this move? But at this very moment, I am glad. I'm really glad that the Knicks still have RJ Barrett. I won't say I'm glad they don't have Donovan Mitchell, but I'm just, I'm really glad that they, that that RJ Barrett is still their guy. And he's still now in a position after signing that four year, $120 million deal to, to really become the star that we hope he can be in New York. Yeah. And I, I think that's a correct perspective to have because I, I think RJ Barrett can be a better player than Mitchell purely because of his size. And I think the playmaking capability is still theoretical, but but still there. I mean, Don Mitchell and RJ Barrett, like you're 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 comparing two very different players. But when it comes to playmaking, is Don Mitchell truly a better playmaker? I think RJ Barrett has shown he can be an elite defender, and most times last year, I'd say was, especially under Tibbs. And he's getting better as a finisher. Who knows the shooting comes? I think there's just he's still a project. And he's shown every year he's gotten a little bit better. So I think we should have faith in him. Um, while that's the right perspective, I think we can turn on the front office, though, and be like, this wasn't the plan. The, the, the whole, like, oh, yeah, we're committing to RJ Barrett. We're going to sign him to this contract. He's the, what, what was it, the first player since since who? I don't even know this. First player since who to be, to be signed after I the rookie deal, re- I can't even remember the name. All, all I know is it's the first time in 23 years that a, rookie, <laughs> that a rookie has signed a multi-year extension with the New York Knicks. Oh my god! And they even still tried to get rid of him. <laughs> I know <laughs> that, they did offer him. <laughs> that, that's the point. And man, like I, I can imagine the the Knicks front office just being like, oh, "Why? Why did you have to just say? Couldn't we have just let it be?" Because after after the trade was done, uh, you know, I, I think everyone was probably just going to focus on the fact that maybe the Cavs just offered more and the Knicks were driving a tough bargain and believing in their players. But no, truth is they offered OB, RJ, Mitchell Robinson and three first round picks in the Jazz and the to the Jazz and the Jazz said no. So just that feigned commitment, I don't believe in it. RJ is not going to believe in it. And that's probably the biggest thing. It's awkward for our Knicks fans, but how awkward is it for RJ? You just signed that contract, but hey, just so you know, we tried to trade you and like five other assets for the guys on that other team now. Yikes. So that's what the Knicks is all about. It's all, it's, there's always something that makes you, that makes uh, sends a shiver down your spine and not, and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you even, do you even mention the fact that you guys traded like traded and swapped and did a million like draft night trades that didn't make sense to clear capital to trade for Mitchell too, instead of just taking somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's just what we do. They they yeah. make they make decisions because they think they're going to be able to do things without a bother, and then uh, it just doesn't come to fruition. The sad yeah. thing is, I think a lot of us thought it was going to be different this time. Yeah, <laughs> but the 
it's the morning after, so this isn't revisionist history, but hopefully a year from now, we're, we're not looking at like uh, Uzman Jiang is like a Kevin Durant 2.0 and Donovan Mitchell is all of a sudden like actual Dwayne Wade in Cleveland and everyone's just all over themselves. But that you have the right perspective, I think. And I think on top of that, I don't think Mitchell would have functioned well in this team. I don't, I, I don't think him and Brunson alongside each other would have been a good pairing. I don't think there's enough defense there. And I think there's his style of on-ball play. I don't think that's going to mesh with, with Barrett either, even if you could have kept Barrett. That probably wouldn't have been the best thing for Barrett either. So at the end of the day, like, be, be happy with the toys you have. Hopefully they get better. But if you look at Cleveland, God, they must be happy. Cleveland. The Cavaliers, last year, you're happy about the, the start of the season that they had. They're like a top five team in net rating for like two months, which was, I think, not completely real, but injuries definitely detracted from what was all around a good season. They probably would have been in the playoffs. We'll get into like all the details of this, but first and foremost, I feel like it's less likely that they're in the plan this year than they are in the playoffs, a top six seed definitively after this trade. I mean, the main thing that it does is it, it boosts them up. They just added a 25 point per game player. So they just be instantly now become another team that you're thinking they should be a top six team in the East. And there's there's a lot of the, there is a lot of those teams. Unfortunately, there's a lot more than six of those teams in the in the Eastern Conference now. But you, you you're thinking they're right up there on a similar par to the Hawks, to the Raptors, maybe even to the Bulls, but depending on health. So I mean, there's a lot of teams that are competing for. Uh, uh, a very small number of places, so like there's there there's a chance they could end up in a plan, but at the same time, if they're all healthy and it comes together well, Mitchell modes well alongside Garland and the other guys, Mobley's able to take another step, Jared Allen stays healthy, then you have to look and think if they don't finish in the top six, it could look like a bit of a disappointing season, and then if they fail in the playing again, it'll be a real dud of a season for them. They, they've They've made a great move, and obviously this is the biggest move they've ever made without LeBron James being on the team. And hopefully it has an instant instant impact for them next year and gets them into the playoffs because that's where they want to be. I have a hot take. A hot question, maybe not a take, because you made me think about it when you just thought about scoring. How, how much better is Donovan Mitchell than Colin Sexton? I mean, I guess you have to say he obviously he's been in the league. Well, they've been in the league the same at the time, have they? Or as close it close to it anyway. I think they were drafted the same year. Yeah. 2017-18. Donovan Mitchell's a three-time All-Star. Colin Sexton is a zero-time All-Star. Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. has been to the playoffs. He's 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 looked good. He actually shown an ability to to score better uh the longer jazz postseason runs went. So, I mean, you have to say, at this very stage, he is a significantly better player than, than Sexton, especially on the offensive end. 
on the offensive. So that that's that's what I want to get into. So defensively, my my feeling I don't have, I, and I think looking comparing bad defensive players by advanced metrics is often like not. It's a pretty noisy thing to do, and I think just we can easily say, even if you really want to say that Don Mitchell can be a better defender right now, Donovan Mitchell is not a plus defender. He's a bad defender, um, probably out of choice, I think. But in terms of impact, he's not a better defender than Colin Sexton. And I think Colin Sexton actually brings it defensively. So if anyone's going to get better, I'd have more faith that Colin Sexton gets better at defense. But offensively, like who had who's a more efficient three-point shooter? Who do you think? Sexton, huh? Uh, surprisingly on higher volume Don Mitchell by basically 1%. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just comparing 2020 and 2021, because that's when Sexton actually had an opportunity to, to play for the whole season. Mm-hmm. He scored just about like two points less. And I think they're both pretty equal playmakers. They're not primary playmakers. Sexton's got better as a passer. He had just 0.8 assists less. And we're talking about two guys who are both really good at getting the rim. I think Sexton is is not as explosive as an athlete as Donovan Mitchell, but he's like honestly the reason we made that comparison before is because he's like a Donovan Mitchell light, like he's a, a couple steps behind Donovan Mitchell, but not a radically different player. And that makes me think like, okay, you have Garland, you have um, Allen, most of all, you have Mobley. And you have all your assets. Was Donovan Mitchell the guy that you absolutely needed on this team when you already had like a light version of that for the purpose of offense? What was, was Donovan Mitchell the piece you needed to become the contender in the East or one of the contenders in the East? I think he was the guy available. And I think based off what happened last year and maybe their feelings of where Colin Sexton's health might be at after last year. I think it was it, it, he he was the guy. I think you think of that level and that ability to score and the fact that he's shown it in a team that have competed at the top of the Western Conference over the last few years. It is the right move and he is the kind of guy that can provide that little bit of difference to the team. Especially before Mobley really hits his stride. Like I'm not expecting yeah, Mobley to really hit a stride this year, but maybe uh, the following season or the year after that, then you really expect to see if he is the star that he he looks like he could be. So, like, you're not going to say this is this makes them contenders or anything. There won't be like that until Mobley really starts to hit his stride in this league. But I think it was he was the guy who was available. Like, they were never going to make a move for Kevin Durant or anything <laughs> like that. But Donovan Mitchell is is a really not far off uh, elite scorer in this league. And I think he'll get more efficient playing in this Cleveland team. And I think he really could, he could fit well. And it's just a question with Sexton. Was he ever going to get up to that level, that all-star sort of level? I guess they, they believed that they'd seen enough and that he, and he wasn't going to get there. So they had to, they had to try and make the move for a guy who's already done it. Yeah. And I will say, so, you know, basketball on the court. And when you, when you talk to teams, you, if you talk to a coach, talk to players about 
like this sort of stuff, it would get much more specific. So I think that's a specific one because when we talk about Mobley and also we talk about Allen, we talk about two big guys, two really good rim runners. And I think Mobley is going to be so much more than that. Um, and Donovan Mitchell, he's a guy that's played effectively when he does play effectively, he plays really well with Rudy Gobert, an elite lob threat. And Sexton hasn't been that guy, but I, I'll, I'll also counter that to say that, I mean, who was he going to lob to in his career? Like Kevin Love, like <laughs> just he didn't really have a pick and roll partner like that. But Don Mitchell has, and he's done it in playoff situations. He's done it throughout regular seasons. He's become all-stars through that kind of pick and roll play. And Garland is that kind of guy. And Mitchell, Garland is going to be that at a top five point guard level. Donovan Mitchell adds that at a elite level, I believe. I mean, he you can't have him run a ton of offense, I don't think. But when you have him run pick and roll, I mean, he's your secondary option, I think, on offense. And that, that's that's another thing I want to talk about. Um, is he the first option now? Is this his team? That's uh, that's that's an interesting one. Now, I, I guess you probably would have to say that he is more so because of the fact that Garland is more so of a playmaker and and Donovan Mitchell is is almost certainly going to be the lead scorer on the team. So you kind of look at it in 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 that sense, and you kind of have to say it probably is his team now. But I don't think it'll be obvious. It won't be like when LeBron was in there or the early days of Kyrie or anything like that. I think on the outside looking in, everyone will think of it as Donovan Mitchell's team. But I think on the whole, it'll be very much based around the idea of the whole team contributing and showing the best versions of themselves. Yeah. And I wonder if this will be a polarizing thing. If, if Donovan Mitchell is taking as many shots as he does, um, I, I, I'm not predicting this. I'm, I'm not trying to be negative here at all. I think overall, this is a fantastic. I think if we just took five minutes to talk about this, like I was over the moon yesterday and I'm still pretty much over the moon now about the Cavs potential as a playoff team. I think there are, it's, it's interesting to think about the dynamics of this team now though, because it was a young team before it's, it's Garland is a spurging star. Garland's the guy because Sexton is taking the step back and it was like, and a total like, back of your mind question of, well, who's going to be the second guy? Is it Gar- is it Sexton or is it Karis LeVert? Well, now it's obviously Karis LeVert, but is the second guy actually Darius Garland. And as a playmaker, I, I think Garland will accept that. And I think there's a natural, there's a natural way for this to work out because Garland is such a, a such an amazing passer. And I think that Mitchell plays well off the ball. And I think if, if Mitchell continues to get more efficient as a three-point shooter, and, and I think cuts down the amount of bad shots that he takes. Because, mm. I mean, on the Jazz, like, he's the only creator, really. Like, like Mike Conley is, like, struggling with that. And unless Jordan Clarkson's out there and just on a heater, it's the Donovan Mitchell show. But he doesn't need to do that in Cleveland. And I think Cleveland fans will hope that he doesn't because Garland can make everybody better. And that will rely on Mitchell becoming a very good off-ball threat. Um, do we, how does he, uh, how does he make them compare to other teams that like going back to the playoff things? If he was the piece, if we're going to say he was the piece, I'm not sure if he is, but how does he stack up against the best teams in the East? How does Cleveland now argue that they are better than 
your Milwaukee's, your Boston's, your 76's, your Nets. What about Milwaukee? Have they, have they gotten an edge or given themselves an argument to compete with them in a seven-game series? I mean, you, you had to say yes because Donovan Mitchell, the scoring that he brings, that can always boost the team. Like you think about the, that 50-point game he had in that series with uh, against Denver. So it definitely gives them another a, a big boost in terms of the scoring that they can offer. I still would be shocked to see them beat Milwaukee or even take them to seven games. But I think compared to last year, I think – if they were in a series, I could see it being a a six-game series or even like a tight five games where every game was like single digits or something like that, which I wouldn't have said. Uh, I wouldn't have said last year. Um, what about the Nets? Yeah, I think it'd probably be a similar sort of situation because, I mean, let's be real, the, the Nets should still be a much... Well, not a much better team, but a better team. They still have the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but I think the matchups there, you you don't really uh, fancy the the Cavs too much. But I, at the same time, you think Donovan Mitchell could really cook Kyrie Irving on on the defensive end. Uh, you kind of wonder what what way they'd play Ben Simmons. He probably could be the the difference maker in there, and what and what sort of defensive role he plays in that situation. Yeah. And just backtracking to the Bucks, the Cavs had a three and one record against the Bucks last year. Just they they I think you you get Mobley, you get Allen out there. I I, I want to feel confident that that does enough to muck things up a bit for their Giannis attack. The Nets are just such a I I mean you're right. Ben Simmons Simmons is always gonna be the the answer in terms of the X factor and what they can do who knows if if the Cavs are, are good enough there and again guys check out those we've we've already covered these teams if you want to know how we think we're going to do just go back and check out those episodes um 76ers though what how do they stack in the 76ers are, are you taking them are you taking the Cavs in a seven game series against 76ers I feel like uh based off what we saw last year and now the addition of of Mitchell to this team I think that could be a real a real tight series. I think you could see Mitchell having a having a lot of joy going up against uh, Maxi and James Harden, and probably Garland as well. Just a question of how Mobley and Allen match up with with MB, especially if they're doing kind of a double a double team on them. That could be a that could be a big boost for Cleveland. That could be one where you could see the the advantage of having the two, the two uh, dominant big guys in both Mobley and Allen, both them take basically taking turns almost probably of Garden there, uh, Garden and Bead. You'd, you'd like to think that Embiid and and Harden and Maxi taking a jump would still give Philly the edge, but uh, I kind of like the the matchup there for uh, for Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Like I I agree with you, and this is all in theory. And any any Philly fans that are going to want to balk at this because yes Philly did go 4-0 against Cavs but that was at the end of the season when they had no um was Garland hurt at the end I think Garland was still recovering uh he was he was banged up and um Allen wasn't there and Mobley is not going to defend and beat on his own like Mobley just needs to fill out once oh my god once Mobley fills out I mean, that's a whole other podcast on its own that's that's going to be insane um but Embiid did score 40 
44 ungodly numbers, 53% from the floor, 44% from three, like (laughs) 14 rebounds, 14.3 rebounds per game in those four matchups. Like Allen clearly needs to be there or Mobley needs to get bigger. And that's just the answer for every single team that Embiid faces. But that, that double team scenario that, that does, that does remain to be seen because then you double him, you double Harden. But I think, I think a lot of this comes down actually to um, Mitchell's not Mitchell's offense, but as we had mentioned, comparing him to Sexton, it's, it's his defense. Does, does him, this is the big question. Does him being in this environment, this is, this is not the jazz where he was the young guy who became the alpha of like a veteran team who supported him. He's now coming into a young locker room. Bakerstaff has made this a legit organization and he has made a legit culture and they are a defensive minded team. Does this unlock his defensive potential purely out of his attitude shifting towards that kind of mindset? I mean, it's, it's impossible to say yes or no at this stage. You have yeah. to hope so. And you have to hope that he is going there and he buys in because that's, that's the, the feeling around the, around this team. So He's going there now. If he really wants to build on his career and show himself to be a legit star in this league, he's got to buy into that. And if he wants to succeed just alone, his offense alone is not going to get him there. Obviously, the offense is the X factor. But if he can become a more a more reliable defender, that could really change things for this Cleveland team and show them why they gave up Sexton and why they gave up so many assets to bring in this guy. Yeah, and... Not to just disagree to disagree, but I I really think the the defense is the X factor for me for for Mitchell because when you think about it, like if you keep Sexton and Sexton's healthy, I think you're getting enough enough offense out of him, and I think you're gonna get enough uh, offense depending on the day from from uh, our our friend Karis Levert, and you're gonna get improvement from Garland. You get improvement offensively from Mobley, and I think that would have been enough to buoy their offense as they continue to be a defensive team. And I think Mitchell, that that was that's the thing for me. It's, it's I think Cleveland should. I mean, they're they're smarter than us. I'm sure they've thought about this. Like, they believe that he can be an elite defender. I think everyone who has seen him believes he should be an elite defender with his quickness, with his I mean his physicality, his strength, and his seven foot near seven foot wingspan at six foot three. Like he's a amazing defender just waiting to hatch. And it just it just hasn't happened in the NBA yet. Um, and if that happens, then you can start having conversation like that shifts these conversations in the playoffs. Like the scoring isn't enough, I don't think, to get them past these teams. But if he buys in defensively, I think he's an immediate potential elite defender. Like you look at Boston, there's no way they're getting by Boston at all, even a lick of hope. I don't think they're getting to six games against Boston if he's not playing really good defense. They need perimeter defense on this team and he, they need his shooting for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, this is all in conversation you can have because Cleveland is not a contender. I don't, I don't I'm not going to call them a contender. That feels a bit hot right now, but they are, I think they're, it'll take two weeks of good basketball for them for us to be like, yeah, they're a top six team easily top 16. And I, and I won't feel it, this won't be like a, a wizard's, uh, first two months of the season kind of thing. I, I'll believe it because it's because Mitchell is there and he's got that pedigree and 
I think we forget. Uh, he, he tied. Or no, he did. He pass Steph Curry. He was the. I'm trying to remember here. Donovan Mitchell scored 30 plus games and five plus threes in five straight games, and that is the longest NBA streak in playoff history. And he broke Steph Curry's record. And this was when he was just dropping 40 bombs, 50 point games in the bubble. And we forget that this is that guy. So Cleveland should be excited that they have that guy and the Eastern conference just got much more complicated. And I refuse to make any predictions now because nothing, nothing could possibly work out the way we think it will now. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's uh that's definitely accurate, but uh, moving over, moving over to the jazz the team that Donovan Mitchell has, has, has left behind. I mean, where where are they going from here? We'll talk a little bit on, on Sexton <laughs> later, but uh, I mean, where what do we think about the Jazz? I mean, let's be real. They're just a team. They're rebuilding. They're acquiring young talent and picks. I mean, I saw something uh, yesterday where it said both them and the OKC Thunder could have as many as 15 first-round picks uh, over the next seven years or something like that, which is just kind of... It's just pretty, pretty insane to, th- to think about. But they traded Donovan Mitchell. They traded Rudy Gobert, the two lead stars. They've got back in six unprotected first round picks, uh, one protected first round pick. They've got young guys like Sexton, Agbaji, Walker Kessler, Vanderbilt, Taylor Horton Tucker from that trade with the, with the Lakers. So. It's not just picks that they're getting in where they could potentially draft young talent. They're getting in young players that could be really talented in the NBA as well. So I mean, they're kind of they're they're getting they're doing well on uh, on both sides. But Danny Ainge is, is is working it well at the moment. I think. Only thing I'd say about that immediately is that Abaji is like thirty years old, right? Like he's like the oldest rookie <laughs> in the past decade. Um, I, I'm kidding. I think he's like 20, I think he's 24. I think he's 23, 23 or 24. He's a senior. He's an old senior. Um, but your point taken, I, I think, yeah, it's got a lot of hungry guys too. Like not, not just about the, the rookies. Cause I'm not, I'm not super excited about, I think Abaji is going to be a solid role player. Um, I think that Walker Kessler from they they got him from the, the, uh, the Wolves, he's, he has a lot to prove. Maybe he's going to be like a Brooke Lopez type player. That should be interesting. They don't have a young guy yet. That's like, Whoa, that's, that's a blue chip. They did not get a blue chip young guy for Donovan Mitchell, their blue chip player. Um, and actually in that regard, Donovan Mitchell wasn't even a blue chip player at the time. We didn't expect him to be as good as he was, but in his rookie year, he's already that good. So maybe they have that guy somewhere. Um, Nikhil Alexander Walker, a guy who in his rookie year, we're like, whoa, he's going to be a good player. Um, he's a cousin of Shea Gill, just Alexander, of course, he's going to be a good player. But he hasn't shown anything since. He's got a lot to prove. Lowry Markinen, who got his deal with the Cavs, got thrown into this weird three man system, playing the wing a lot, playing, playing the small forward position a lot. He's got a lot to prove because I think, as a, as a Bulls fan, I, I got to say, like, I still, I still think there's something there if, if you use it right, like as a seven foot shooter. But Good luck. That's that's someone else's problem because he's not an easy player to figure out. Who's Jared Butler? Have we even heard his name? Like the guy who was part of that uh, that champion college championship team. Um, so there's a lot of guys on this team. 
Taylor Horton Tucker too. Like a guy just thrown thrown to the street by LeBron James. That article is like he had no friends on the Lakers. That that's not an embarrassing thing to post out there. Um, just it's a weird team right now, but I think there's enough guys that are going to be hungry that this team will be about evaluation. Someone can pop, and I think the obvious person is Colin Sexton. But one of these other guys can pop, and and maybe this this gives hope for during a tanking season that, Hey, we have some guys that can, can grow, that can do something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's definitely true. I think one other thing is where do you see, obviously teams that they've still got a lot of vets. I mean, you think of Bojan Magdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, even, even Rudy Gay, they're all got the type of guys that competitors and guys just teams just on the fringes will want to have in their team i don't think they'll get rid of all of them before the start of the season but i think throughout this season before uh, as we move towards then the trade deadline and things like that i think there's a good chance you'll see the jazz move on from all of these players and that is like it wouldn't be crazy if they got another four first round picks out, out of those five guys do do in, in Ireland, do they have like a, a sale season, like a, a mega sale season where like everyone just goes to the store? Is, is that a thing? Not quite Black Friday levels now. No. <laughs> yeah, no, this is just American consumerism. Uh, okay, <laughs> sorry. But it, it'll literally be Black Friday on the trade deadline for the Jazz. I mean, Jordan Clarkson, you need a six-man scorer for 13 million? Here you go. Mike Conley, he has a $22 million contract, even though it expires in 2024. That's a beautiful salary filler for a three-team trade. You're in a lot of those these days. Um, hey, this, the, the Lakers situation not working out, maybe there, there's, a, there's a Conley solution there. <laughs> um, Boyan, he's a, still a good contributor. He's a winning player, absolute winning player. He's an expiring $20 million contract as well. Vanderbilt proved himself last season as an elite defender, um, a guy who can play the four and the five, defend three positions. Malik Beasley, you need a shooter. Like they've got guys that people are going to want. Absolutely. And this trade deadline, all these guys, like if, if the front office is nice, they should be telling them, Hey, just sell your homes now and just start renting. Like don't deal with that headache five, six months from now. Cause you're probably not going to be here. I don't think. I think they're going to go straight into, they're not going to risk winning games. And these guys are good players. You, I mean, you throw out Mike Conley, you throw out Colin Sexton, Boyan, Vanderbilt, um, what Walker, Walker Kessler, and some of these shooters, like they're going to win games. They're going to be better than the Thunder. Mm-hmm. I think they could be probably better than the Rockets. I mean, they have a brand new head coach. You think a brand new head coach is going to want to, going to want to tank? No. So in their own interest, I think they're going to do everything they can to get make sure these guys are out of here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's something that uh, Danny Ainge will probably have to turn his attention to right now. They got rid of the the big chip in uh, in Mitchell and uh, Gobert, and now it's time to to get rid of the other guys to make sure that they're in uh, the best uh, position to acquire or to to draft Victor Webanyama and uh, next year. But uh, the, the the main guy they got back is Colin Sexton. He signed a four-year, $72 million deal with Utah. He seems that Utah are saying they're going to keep him at least for the first year. I mean, I think it's probably good for him. Uh, Good for this season. 
he get back into his flow without any pressure. He just gets to go out there and do his thing. And it's also going to be a good place for him to just kind of to be able to show off and, and show the rest of the league what he is capable of and show that he is a guy that teams on a in a better position than the Utah Jazz currently should be looking at a guy like Colin Sexton. Yeah, absolutely. And he should be should be. I I am I have no doubt in my mind that he's angry about this. Like even if he's professional about it. And I think he will be professional, but I think he's grown a lot because I mean, he was Cleveland's guy. And even when they drafted Garland, it was like, oh, how are they going to work together? It was only this season where it was like, oh, Garland's the guy. And it was only because Sexton was hurt. And I feel like Sexton never had a chance to prove that he could be a part of this core. Like, they were building something beautiful in Cleveland with a youth movement, and they just said no thanks, and they kicked him out. That, that I mean, that honestly has to be – it's a business, but that has to be heartbreaking. If you If he's – cared about that city he's cared about that team and they just sent him halfway across the country and I think for him it is a good thing because he's going to have that opportunity to do that and I I will say though that it's never going to escape him on this jazz team if he doesn't leave it that he's just going to be a good stats bad teams guy that that's just going to haunt his his reputation but what the jazz do have right now they have a lot of young guys like we said but I think Colin Sexton, you know, what he can prove, if not the fans to NBA teams, is that he can be a culture setter because he's a fiercely competitive guy. Like you, like I love watching Colin Sexton because he cares. There's not a single, like he might have lapses. He might make a bad decision, but he's not doing it out of laziness. Like this guy cares about winning. This guy cares about competing. And I think that should lead to him continue to become a better defender with effort. I think that he'll continue to try to get better because of that motivation. And you give a guy like that a reason to be angry, a reason to have a revenge tour, a reason to prove himself. I think this is absolutely going to give him the chance to do something you know, special. Maybe it's not the right word, but do something significant in Utah to at least make them competitive. So I, I think maybe he gets even better to the point where he's an $18 million year player. That's a contract that I feel probably move. Is he going to stay there for four years? Like, that's the bet we should take here. I don't know. I think he's good enough where he'll be an amazing asset. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, you look at it as a sense of, say they, they end up as the, 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 with the worst record in the, in the NBA this year. They end up with the number one pick in 2023 and they draft – Victor Webanyama, the the next uh, prodigal prodigal son, there is that. Would that be more of a reason for him to stick around in Utah, or would you look at it as he's the new face of the franchise? We need to just build around him, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on from Colin Sexton. What way would you think that could that could play play to that sort of situation? Um. I mean, when, when you think about the, the exciting thing about the Jazz is, like, you got Danny Ainge, and Danny Ainge has not been – he's been conservative his career. Like, but he, he's he been conservative to try and make big moves. Like, he's always tried to make big moves. For Celtics fans that always got on him for not, for not getting that guy. Like, it was ultimately that guy's choice not to come to Boston. But Danny has never balked from, like, <laughs> doing crazy things, like sending, like, six picks for – Justice Winslow and Miami said no. Like 
stuff like that. Like he has enough assets to do something big. If Colin Sexton shows himself to be like a tier two star in this league, like where he's like a 25 point per game score on good efficiency, he's a better playmaker and he's a competitive defender. He's not a great defender, but he's a competitive defender. Honestly, th- this is why Ronan, I'm like, if, if you give like Sexton a mature Sexton, like the opportunity, I'm, I'm not super convinced that there's, there's no way that he could be a Donovan Mitchell level player. I know that's a hot take, but like, I, it wouldn't shock me if by the end of the year, like he's putting up Donovan Mitchell numbers, I'm not going to be like, Whoa, didn't see that. Cut. Like that's, I think he has that talent. He does. It's just situational. So if you have that level player and you have all these young guys and you have all these picks, you know, that's, you never know. You never know what star player is going to be available. You never know what deal can be made. You, and you just have to have the assets and the opportunity to do it. And I think that's a position that Danny H has put the jazz in that, yeah, they're going to probably tank this year. They're probably going to get um, a high draft pick, which is, I mean, if you get like a web and Yama type talent or scoot, whoever um, I'm blanking on, on his, Cooper Cup, like just a few names that we already are seeing. Um, you get a guy like that, and then you have even more of an opportunity. Who who knows who the next star is going to be? Who knows if they just make a youth movement? If it's a youth movement, I don't think Sexton will be here. But if he's a tier two star and they think they can compete, and there's another star out there that wants out and they have the assets to do it, who knows? That's that's just what you do when you get enough assets like this. Yeah. So. Uh... Make your call then. Are you thinking does is Colin Sexton staying gonna stay in Utah no. for the four years? No. No. I I I think that that scenario I just talked about, like that's that's more unlikely. It's possible, but it's unlikely. Like that's and and, that, and that's the worst. You don't want to be in a position where you're just like <laughs> sorry, you don't want to be in the position where you are just waiting for that star to sign with your team or get traded to your team because that's a terrible position to be in. And I think you can attest to that. Um but I, I think he'll be good enough as a, as a cheap-ish player to get traded. A, 18 million a year, I, I, I don't know what kind of machination you can work with to get him on the Mavs, but I want Sexton on the Mavs so bad. Like that's, that's been the trade that I wanted to happen. And if that number somehow works out with some contract there, like um, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is on that. I want to say yeah, so. So now, definitely on something close to that. Anyway. I'll, by the trade day deadline, I'll, I'm sure I'll come up with with a million ways to do it because I, I think a team like that, if if you got Sexton, who's who I believe is going to be a 24, 25. There's your fantasy advice for the day, guys. If if you can draft Colin Sexton, I don't know where he's falling to, but I'm if he's available like in the later rounds. Oh my god, I'm I'm picking up immediately because he's going to go off offensively this year, and that's a guy that a team like the Mavs need. Um, you can you could point to the Lakers too, like uh, if they if they find a way to 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 get him, you can think about um, maybe even the Heat, like getting interested and in having a score. If if Tyler Hero isn't panning out, I think those are two similar talent. Like there's there's a lot of teams that will need a talent like that, and I think if they can get past, and I think teams will get past the good stats, bad guy, uh, bad team type thing. But um, yeah. I, I think he'll be too good to stay there for the next four years, but not good enough for them to just build around him. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I think I definitely have to agree, and I think I'd also agree that I'd love to see Colin Sexton hooking up with uh with Luca over Pause. in Dallas. Pause. So many ways you could have worded that. <laughs> That's how we know this podcast has gone too long when we say some suspect things at the end here. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it then for the, for for today's episode. Uh, thank you all. Next, for we'll be talking us. about Luca hooking up with Colin Sexton. <laughs> Most controversial news in the NBA. You heard it here first. That's the way. That's that's what we have to do, <laughs> especially when we're in the doldrums. You know, that's what we got. We got to think about those sort of things like that. You know. But anyway, thank you all very much for joining us. I'm Ron again. My thanks to Christian Nambu for joining me, and thank you all for listening and. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and follow us on your favorite social channels, Twitter to TikTok. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment. Bye.